Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you'll give them a call. You can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator and Senate Majority Leader. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Megan Rose, uh, the CEO of Better Together, terrific organization, will visit with Megan as well. It is April the 14th, and on this day in 1935, in what became known as the Black Sunday, one of the most devastating storms of the 1930s Dust Bowl era swept across the region on this day. High winds kicked up clouds of millions of tons of dirt and dust so dense and dark that some eyewitnesses believed the world was coming to an end. The term Dust Bowl was reportedly coined by a reporter in the mid-30s and referred to the plains of the west Kansas, southeastern Colorado, the panhandles of Texas and Oklahoma, and northeastern New Mexico. By the early 30s, the grassy plains of the region had been overplowed by farmers and overgrazed by cattle and sheep. The resulting soil erosion, combined with an eight-year drought, which began in 1931, created a dire situation for farmers and ranchers. Crops and businesses failed in an increasing number of dust storms made people and animals sick. Many residents fled the region in search of work in other states such as California. You probably remember the Grapes of Wrath story by John Steinbeck. And those who remained behind struggled to support themselves. The Dust Bowl era finally came to a close when the rains arrived and the drought ended in 1939. Although drought would continue to be an inevitable part of life in the region, improved farming techniques, of course, significantly reduced the problem of soil erosion and prevented a repeat of the 30s Dust Bowl devastation. Well, let's take a look at the numbers. In Florida, 21,019 folks have uh, confirmed cases of the coronavirus. There's 499 deaths so far, 2,841 hospitalized, and 199,767 total tests uh, completed. The fifth patient in Collier County has died of COVID-19 or complications. According to the State Department of Health, they confirmed the death on Monday evening. The patient was 85 years old. He was a male. He was reported to have no recent travel history, and other details were unknown. Uh, my, my thought is they put it down as COVID-19, but it could have been other things for sure. 85 years of age. Well, stocks fell yesterday, erasing some of the market's big gains from the previous week. Down the Dow Jones Industrial Average, down 328 points. Uh, right now, the futures look like they're moving up, uh, maybe to recover that loss as we move into earnings season. Well, responding to a hypothetical question on a Sunday CNN show, Dr. Fauci said lives could have been saved if the U.S. had been shut down earlier. Was, the question was like, uh, if, if things had been done earlier, if there had been distancing earlier, social distancing, uh, would we have saved lives? Well, he said, well, yeah, we, that would have happened. Innocent question, but it was, in my view, the beginning of trying to the attempt this phase of trying to take down President Donald Trump. On Monday, uh, Dr. Fauci took the microphone early in the conversation and the press conference and walked back to statements on the White House actions in February, saying it was a poor choice of words, he said about his own interview. It should be noted, of course, that in January, February, and March, Dr. Fauci was telling the American public that cruises were okay and malls, gyms, and movie theaters were safe places to go. That was obviously the start of creating a new false narrative to attack the president. In response, <laughs> it was pretty amusing and it really uh, upset the press corps, but in response, President Trump showed a video at the White House press briefing yesterday. He showed the video below, uh, which uh, led CNN and MSNBC to cut away from the live coverage of the press event. The White House Correspondents Association Chairman Jonathan Carl took special offense to the video, demanding to know who produced the campaign ad. In reality, the video was a basic stitching together of clips by White House staff. In response, CNN cut away from the briefing because their airwaves just couldn't handle the truth. When CNN came back for a press briefing there uh, on the lower third of the screen, things were reading like uh, angry Trump. 
propaganda video produced by government employees at taxpayers' expense. Another one, this all happened within five minutes. Uh, these are uh, four different headlines. And then angry Trump turns briefing into propaganda session. Then Trump melts down in angry response to, re to reports he ignored virus warnings. And then Trump uses task force briefing to try and rewrite history on coronavirus response. Of course, all he did was show what was the, the uh, actual clips from the uh, news that had been preceded uh, this coronavirus. As you can imagine, the conservatives on Twitter were filled with elation when Trump uh, caused the hilarious leveling meltdown. In fact, CBS News hack Paula Reed interrupted President Trump. She was out of control. She attacked President Trump repeatedly in interrupting him. She was a total disgrace. President Trump rightfully called her out. You know you're a fake. Your whole network, the people are wise to you. <laughs> he said, total Trump derangement syndrome set in. At the same time, reports of spreading of a dangerous virus running rampant in uh, China. President Trump in January banned flights, and you know the whole story. He acted appropriately, in my view. He, he needed to use judgment, but he certainly preceded uh, their concern for coronavirus before any of his critics at this point did. And now Adam Schiff wants to another sham investigation, a show trial impeachment proceeding of President Trump before the election. Uh, that's today's Democrat Party. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, angry, unhinged, undisciplined, out of ideas, and out of control. Well, President Trump said Monday he'd make a decision in conjunction with governors and other officials on reopening the economy shortly as the White House forms a new second coronavirus task force. Uh, for the purposes of creating conflict and confusion, some of the fake news media are saying that this is the governor's decision to open up the states, not, at the, not as the president of the United States and the federal government, uh, he tweeted Monday. Let's be fully understood on this. This is incorrect. It is the decision of the president, and for many good reasons, he continued. Uh, with that being said, the administration and I are working closely with the governors and will continue to do so, he tweeted. He added, a decision by me in conjunction with the governors and input from others will be made shortly. The second task force, which will be formally introduced today, will be chaired by the White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, and it will include a bunch of uh, Trump's cabinet members. The task force is also expected to include Acting Chair of the Council of Economic Advisors Tom Phillipson, Larry Kudlow, Peter Navarro, Chris Liddell, Jared Kushner, and Ivanka Trump, I would say Trump. I would say without question, it's the biggest decision I've ever had, ever had to make, he said. It'll be my honor to be the president for the American people. I have a big decision coming up, and I only hope to God it'll be the right decision, he said. On Monday, the U.S. reported more than 558,000 positive cases of COVID-19 and more, more than 22,100 deaths. Certainly way below the anticipated amount. And, of course, Robert... Uh, Redfield, the director of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, said that he believes the coronavirus cases are stabilizing across the country and the United States is close to the virus peak, which is all good news. So the left is using the coronavirus as an excuse to close down polling stations and allow nationwide mail-in voting for the 2020 presidential election. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said, tried to sneak that into the federally mandated ballot harvesting in the coronavirus bill, a coronavirus bill. Barack and Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton are pushing for mail voting in November. A report by the Public Interest Legal Foundation Monday released a research brief revealing more than 28 million mail ballots went missing in the last 10 years. In other words, about roughly one in five mail-in ballots Never completed the process in the last decade, and this is why the Democrat media complex is pushing for mail-in ballots. President uh, Trump has voiced his deep concern. He said, no mail-in ballots. You need to show up on polling day and complete your ballot. Not our experience here in Collier County. I must say we have a terrific uh, elected supervisor of elections, Jennifer Edwards. Our elections process works very well. And quite frankly, if uh, these supervisors of elections have uh, devious and nefarious uh, attitudes and motivation, they can pr figure out how to cheat. If you have somebody like Jennifer Edwards who's running the process, it's going to work out well whether it's mail-in or not. Just my view. While the coronavirus is exposing little tyrants all over the country, the continuing Democrat abuse of power during the coronavirus uh, lockdown, 
There's nothing that brings uh, like a crisis to bring clarity. The response of some mayors and governors to the coronavirus pandemic in recent days has made it clear they think they have unlimited and arbitrary uh, power over their fellow citizens. And here's a few examples. Massachusetts Democrat mayor begins mandatory nighttime lockdown during coronavirus panic. Another headline, Democrat Michigan governor bans sales of American flags during coronavirus lockdown. Michigan governor bans gardening, uh, sale of fruit and vegetable seeds, gardening supplies prohibited. Uh, Philadelphia uh, police violently drag a man from a bus for not wearing a face mask. Democrat governor recording license plates of Easter Sunday churchgoers, ordering them to a 14-day quarantine. Uh, even though kids are not affected, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio closes public schools for good and won't reopen them until September. And Boston uh, suburbs sets up a one-way sidewalk to allow residents to practice social distancing, and police will hand out fines to anyone who walks in the wrong direction. Now, does this make you concerned about your civil liberties and freedom? It certainly does me, and this is the type of event that creates this uh, overreach of power. We need to be concerned about that and get it back to our constitutional rights. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles, the website is NaplesIllustrated.com. And by, by the way, when you go there, uh, get a copy of On the Town, uh, highlights of things that are going on or not going on on the Paradise Coast. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees, the goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Golf Show Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. They really fix up the website. It's really cool. We've, of course, canceled the season. I'm talking about Gulf Shore Playhouse, but there's great things coming up in September. Uh, and, of course, the uh, summer programs for kids. I hope you'll visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Megan Rose, the CEO of Better Together, a terrific organization. Right now, we have with us our state senator and Senate Majority Leader, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. So I, I would imagine right now you've got lots of calls coming in about concerns about coronavirus and other things. Am I right? Or, or what's, what's, uh, what are people's concerns? Well, it's because there's so much unknown. Uh, people don't know that, you know, that the biggest issue is how long uh, do I have to stay home? How, uh, I'm out of work. I, um, there's the unemployment system. It has been so inundated with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people trying to apply for benefits. The system kept crashing. And, and, uh, in, in response to that, the, the, uh, the governor's, uh, moved 2000 people from other state agencies to work on it, uh, hired 200 more people to work on it, but it's it's such slow going and people are afraid and they're worried about, uh, you know, making ends meet. They're worried about being able to buy groceries with no money coming in. So there's so many of those calls and it's, it's, it's heart-wrenching for, for us because I can't get on the system either to help them. Right. And uh, my, my staff spends a lot of time just uh, talking through it. People just need somebody to either yell at or to commiserate or whatever. And so we, we take those calls because, you know, what else can we do? There's, there's, we can't get into the system to help them fill out the forms. No, that's with right. Those people. And then, you know, we have a lot of people that um, are just, you know, concerned about, are we going to open too soon? Why don't we open? Um, you know, and then we get people calling about neighbors having parties, or, you know, and it's like <laughs> yeah. all kinds of things. So, um, you know, it's just a very difficult time for, yeah. for everyone. It is a difficult time, and it's especially difficult if you're isolated, if you're alone, or if you're uh, in your home and you doubt you're out of work. What can you do? I mean, it's, there's no place to turn in when you try and do something about it. If you can't get on the website, it must be very frustrating indeed. So absolutely, I'd, I'd appreciate. And then we have parents. The parents, they, you know, one of the there's there's some uh, you know good things. You know, there are a lot of families that are home and. And some parents are handling this homeschool thing very well, and you know I hear good reports about um, family families that are doing so much more together. Yeah. But then I hear reports from other families that, that are just like, I can't wait till these kids get back in school. I can't take it anymore. Yeah, no, no, I'm sure a lot of all that's going on right now, and it's a. Uh... I must say, I think there could be some very positive outcomes from this entire thing, including, you know, how we look at uh, education for our kids, public education. Some good changes could actually be coming about, uh, from that. But I'd, I'd like to talk to you about um, opening the economy again. And the president said, I have absolute power. It made me think about Burr Bur, uh, Bur Rabbit and the, and the Briar Patch. <laughs> of saying that because right now I'm sure he's got a level to governors. No, he doesn't. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, it's funny. I, everybody's reporting uh, comments like that, but, uh, and, and I don't listen to him 24 hours a day and I, and I, you know, I don't get on Twitter that much, but um, I, what I heard from him was it's a really tough decision I have to make. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it is a tough decision, but I didn't hear him say, well, I'm, and I'm the only one who can make it. So I think a lot of, there's a lot of misreporting uh, his comments there. Um, I think it weighs heavily on him. It has to weigh. I mean, no matter what you think of, of the president, this has got to weigh heavily on him because people are dying and, and, and he, he can't ignore that. And um, I think it's even affected his own family. So, um, you know, I wish we could get all the politics out of it and look at the facts and, um, you know, you know, work together rather right. than, you know, just be accusing, you know, one another. That's exactly right. Well, and, uh, 
I, I think our governor, while he had a stay-at-home policy, was pretty lenient. I mean, it was unlike some of the other folks that are, for example, saying you can't buy uh, gardening supplies. <laughs> you can't go to yeah. you know, throw throw nail where start writing down your license plate and put you in quarantine for 14 days if you go to church. I mean, some of this stuff is just absurd. But I think our governor's taken a, a good approach to the problem. I do, too. And, I, I you know, I think it's very measured. Uh, of course, he's being criticized uh, because a lot of it, again, is, uh, it's out of fear and out of politics, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, you know, only time will tell uh, whether he made the right decision or not. This is unprecedented. So it's not like we can look back and say, well, back in FDR's day, something happened and, and this is how, how he responded. This is totally different. Yeah. Never have we ever seen anything like this. So you can't look back at, at precedent. You have to just look at the science and even the science is being reported differently by different people. I mean, I don't know how the general public uh, can, can, you know, read all these different articles and say, well, what's the right thing? I mean, I get, I must get about 10 or 15 updates from various state, federal agencies. And by and large, they don't agree. Yeah. So how do, how does, how does uh, someone who just reading the newspaper get it? So I think, I, I think, um, Probably the the smart what will happen. I hope once we get through this, they develop a vaccine and people can move on with their lives. Um, they they probably there should, probably should be a federal like nine eleven like commission. And I think I heard one of the governors say that because we've got to look back at this and say we were not prepared. Um, how could we have been? Could we have been prepared? Right. What are we going to do in the future? Because it's going to happen again. It, well, it is, and you know, my view is uh, you know. All employers, all individuals have their own health and self-interest in, at heart, and most That's people right. do not want to get coronavirus. So I think uh, if the president said, look, I want you to keep uh, social distancing, I want you to be play it safe here, but for those of you that own businesses or those of you that want to go back to work, you can do it, but make sure that you keep yourself healthy and don't uh, you know, engage other people in a way that could make them sick or get you sick. I think if he did something like that and then put the power back with the people where it belongs, I think it well, we'd I, have a good result. Yeah, and yeah, and I think by and large people are acting responsibly. Yeah, I think there's gonna. I think the the problem is going to be the comfort level. I've talked to so many people who have said they're not going to go to any uh, event that has a lot of people. They're not going to go to right. uh, football games. They're not going to go to concerts. They're not going to go to. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, they're not going to go to plays. They're not going to go to anything where there's more than you know, 15, 20 people, and they're going to take precautions. So we have to start thinking about where where is this country going to be, yeah. um, you know, once we start back in. And honestly, unless there's a comfort level, and I think it, until we can have a, very, a quick uh, way of testing, where first of all, we have to find out if, if people have had it and they have the antibodies, that's one thing. They should be able to get back to work. Right. And we're not, we, don't, we haven't gotten that to that point yet. And then, um, you know, also the, the quick test to find out if somebody has got it. Right. But can you imagine going to um, go, going to the theater for going to go to a playhouse, and before you walk in, you've got to have a corona test. Yeah. No, I, well, I, I think uh, by That's the time, <laughs> those public events, quite frankly, I think are, have to, are probably the last place that you engage people in, in, with groups, uh, because that could be so dangerous, quite frankly. So, right. Yeah, but nevertheless, I still say that uh, for some businesses, they should be able to go back to work, and they could distance appropriately, get this economy going exactly. uh, in, in a way that could, uh, you know, we just need, we just can't mandate everybody stay home. It just doesn't make sense to me. But you Kathleen... A lot of people are working. I mean, people are working from home. My law office is open because we only have a few people, and we've got a, a bunch of closings. But we're, we're we're social distance. We've always been like that because we're a small firm. Yeah. So you distinguish that. It's the large uh, companies. You know, it's the restaurants. It's it's all the where there's so many people and exposed to a lot of people. I don't know how you change that. How you how you can. Um, make that work that's going to be the problem well again i think uh, because we all have our self-interest at heart and business right. owners have the same let them figure it out <laughs> Quite yeah right. no i i'm with you on that yeah kathleen i genuinely appreciate you coming on the show thanks so much for joining us 
Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, Blue Provence offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. During the governor's stay-at-home notice, Blue Provence is offering pick-up curbside takeout options five nights a week, Tuesday through Saturday. To place an order, just call 261-8239 Tuesday through Saturday from 4 to 7 p.m. A 20% discount will be applied on all food orders during these unprecedented times. Compliment your order with amazing wines from the Blue Provence Retail Wine Store, offering amazing choice and value. Blue Provence Wine Store is open Monday to Saturday, 9 to 12 p.m., and has one of the most eclectic and fun wine cellars, offering 10% off cases. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. One of their initiatives is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. One, of course, that's after this coronavirus thing. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. You bet. It's my pleasure. And, you know, there are a couple silver linings in some of this. Mm-hmm. Number one, have you seen the before and after pictures of the sky over Los Angeles? No, I haven't. People are staying home. The air is crystal clear. Yeah, you know, I, I lived in Southern California, and that smog, you get that smog buildup right there. It kind of gets it between the mountains and the ocean. Uh, and, uh, you know, you certainly understand how that could happen. You, you have less, uh, I don't think it's pollution necessary, necessarily, because a lot of people are saying, well, it's, uh, we have global warming and carbon dioxide is a problem. We've got to be concerned about global warming, but certainly not caused by carbon dioxide, which is a trace element in our environment. And I apologize for going off on a rant, but I just want to make that point clear in my mind, that this is not a time to start waving the flag for the Green New Deal. No, but it is startling to see the difference. Yeah. So what, what else? Oh. So, and if your last name was Bacardi or uh, one of the liquors, boy, I'll tell you, the money is flying into your pockets, <laughs> the sale of liquor is skyrocketed. Bronfman, is, it, is that the name? Yes, it is. Is it really? I didn't know that. What? Uh, all liquor, everything, R- wine, beer, all liquor, all alcohol, uh, the sale of it has skyrocketed, and they've determined that we're not, stock, we're not buying to stockpile it, we're buying it and drinking it. And drinking it. See, now that that's... Uh, that's Sad, isn't it? I mean, uh, it's uh, unfortunate, and one of the byproducts of being alone, being isolated, uh, with a lot of time on your hands, not having structure in your day, 
that, well, that is an unfortunate outcome. Do you think there's some, I'm not sure that's positive. Do you think it's positive? Oh, I think in some ways it adds a little festivity yeah. to the day. You know, you start looking forward to cocktail hour after three. Yeah. I'm only kidding, but. But, um, you know, that's not new. <laughs> no. True. But it's really being pursued now. And, yeah. you know, you think about it, you don't have to go to work. Yeah. You're not driving. You're sleeping in. Yeah. Uh, I bet drunk driving tickets are down. They are. Uh, the and, uh, Actually, uh, all crime is down right now, which is kind of interesting in Collier County. Uh, I bet it's down across the whole country. Actually not. In, in some places, uh, really? bur- burglaries are up in some cities, major cities. But I think, again, it's, it's a bigger problem because the uh, uh, local law enforcement, in some cases, are saying, well, if you steal something less than $500, you're not going to get prosecuted. You know, that's happening in some uh, jurisdictions in, for example, Massachusetts. Well, you know, if you've got that kind of a thing setting in it, it just invites people to go in and steal stuff. So, See what they can get away with. Yeah, anything. Well, that's right. People who, not all people have a great conscience. And so you do need to have laws on the books and you need to enforce them. More importantly, whatever laws you have, you need to enforce them. Well, that's what Trump's trying to do. King Trump right now says he's got total authority over how America reopens uh, versus letting the governors decide, the individual governors. What do you think about that? He never, he never fails. People think good about him, and then he opens his big mouth <laughs> and sticks his foot in it. So I don't think it's sticking. To me, I think it's extremely clever that he's done this because, well, you know, I think... Do you think he's doing it to be clever, or do you think he's doing it narcissistically. No, I think he's doing it to be clever because I think he knows that there's going to be some governors that are going to get their uh, their feathers up and they're going to say, well, who does he think he is? I can open up my state anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's going to lead to a different train of thinking uh, where you see some behavior where the governors, for example, in, in Michigan, my goodness, you can't buy seeds, you can't buy an American flag. What's going on with all that? I don't know. Some states are really uh, much stricter about the lockdown. Yeah. Thank goodness we don't live in one of those states. I would agree with that 100%. And uh, as I said, I don't want to bore my audience uh, with my point of view, but I do think we should start to uh, allow people to make their own decisions and decide when they can go back to work. They can, you know, if you're, if you have a compromised immune system, if you're sick, if you've got diabetes, these types of issues, you know, you say to yourself, well, you know, I'm going to stay home. I don't want to take the risk. But other people might say, well, I'm going to social distance, not shaking hands. I'm not going to even bump elbows, but I'm going to go back to work. I, I think I can do that and stay safe. Let the economy open in that way. Yes. It seems that it's not going to be that simple. Yeah. Well. It seems that it's gotten very complicated. I, that's what I say. Open the doors. Go back to work if you're feeling okay. But <clears throat> I, I don't know what the big deal about how, why it's such a complicated thing. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, this, this thing of herd immunity really fascinates me. In other words, uh, by getting the virus itself, if you get it and you become what they call asymptomatic, you don't have... Uh, symptoms of uh, the virus. Uh, apparently, it builds up your immunity going forward. We don't know how long. So uh, there's there's a case. You can make a case for people actually getting the virus because if the death rate is less than 0.4%, which apparently it is, uh, and people can protect themselves if they feel they're compromised, most of the people that die are over the age of 65, then, you know, let's let's just start making good decisions for ourselves. Well, we can. Just think about this. In 20 years, all these kids that are now being um, homeschooled by parents that are starting to drink at noon, (laughs) in 20 years, these kids will be running the country. (laughs) That's an interesting, interesting analogy. Uh, My view, though, that's another good thing. Uh, You know, quite frankly, parents are becoming much more familiar with the curriculum and what kids are learning in school right now, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, with greater involvement, greater concern, it could lead to some good outcomes when it comes to the public education system for kids. Uh, well, right here in Collier County. I agree. Yeah. I, uh, I think parent involvement uh, is always a good thing. And maybe we got too far away from that. I think we have. I mean, it, it, uh, you see evidence in some cases that the school systems start to think about the kids as their kids. 
and the the parents are on the periphery. That's not good. We need to parents need to understand they have it, their their kids. They need to make sure they uh, they're learning, and they need to make sure they have good values. Uh, the problem with uh, drugs and everything else is comes down to parenting in the last analysis. Well, and now they're all we're all sitting together in one big stew. Yeah. <laughs> Boo Mortensen, it's always fun to find out what's on your mind. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay healthy. You as well. Thank you, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. As Southwest Florida is impacted by the coronavirus crisis, the organizations that provide relief and support to our community's most vulnerable population are finding their resources stretched. For 32 years, St. Matthew's House has provided food, shelter, and comfort to those struggling with poverty, food insecurity, and homelessness. St. Matthew's House is the only emergency homeless shelter in Cuyahoga County, sheltering more than 300 men, women, and children every night and providing more than 500,000 meals each year to those in need. For those who have shelter but are food insecure, direct assistance is offered through the St. Matthew's House food pantry and grocery distribution. Donations of food, hygiene supplies, detergent, diapers, and monetary support are needed curbside drop-off is available at St. Matthew's House Main Thrift Store at 2601 Airport Road, South Naples. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization that does not solicit government funding. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org or call 239-774-0500. That's 774-0500. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Got some great things going on on the website. Check it out at gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Megan Rose, the CEO of a terrific organization, Better Together. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of another great organization. It's called Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. How are you? I'm well, Seton. I hope you're doing well. I, I'm I'm just the satanic stupidity of the shutdown just wears on me more with each <laughs> passing day. Go ahead. <laughs> so you wrote a great column, and I think it's really appropriate and really important, even though it's not urgent. It is absolutely the critical. Uh, it's called China virus. We need our rights protected from big government and big tech. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, about a year ago, I wrote about how government is teaming up with big tech to track us. And I, I, I started, I, you know, I quoted it again this, uh, to begin this article. When I read George Orwell's 1984 with the screens that watch you and, and you're watched everywhere and the technological overlords that were Big Brother and all of that, I thought, well, you know, I can see this happening, except for the fact that government's always incompetent and couldn't possibly pull this off. Right. Unfortunately, the private sector can't. And so when the private sector looks to team up with government in this fashion, you've got a real problem. And now what we're looking at, Britain's gone further down this road than we have. We have Jared Kushner, the weakest ideological link in the Trump family, uh, overseeing 
some sort of White House look into having tech track people with coronavirus. Whoops. Now, this is in, this is in, in, keep this in mind when you hear about Fauci wanting to tag, you know, where are your papers? Where are your coronavirus papers? Right. Um, this is a problem. This is a real problem. And Apple and Google are working with the British government to do this in Britain. Hmm. And, of course, Apple and Google, you've got Apple's iPhone and Google's uh, Android. Android is the number one most used uh, mobile operating system in the world, and iPhone is second. So you've got, you know, you've got the two players that die. I don't even – I should have looked up the percentages, but it's got to be you know, 80 90% mm-hmm. of the mobile phone market. I mean, how many people are using Cricket if you're under 90? No, that's right. Um, you know, so – so these two guys are now dominating, and now they're meeting with Kushner. And my point was in all this, one of the problems is we don't have a, a, any privacy law at all at the federal level. Yeah. These guys have been dorking around since the Internet was invented and haven't passed one. And so these guys are operating in a no-man's land. They don't really have any boundaries because there aren't, there aren't any legal boundaries. Right. So we've got, to, we've got to get a privacy law passed. And it's been bandied around for a while. Um, look, what, what a privacy law consists of is, okay, you've got your data and your online persona. What are we going to allow companies to do with that? Mm-hmm. And so at the federal level, look, I'm, I'm for less government, don't get me wrong. Yep. But that doesn't mean I want the, you know, Google running roughshod over my entire existence. All right. I want less government, not no government. A privacy law that's good. Actually, John Thune, the Republican senator from North Dakota, has had a good bipartisan bill for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got bipartisan support on it. It just we can't get it to move for whatever reason. Uh, we'd have to ask Mitch McConnell something. But it's also problematic because, of course, we got a Democrat House. Um, the Demo- what the Democrats are trying to do. Is locked down. Look, internet service providers, Comcast, Verizon, Time Warner, they collect a little bit of data. They know where you're going. They have no idea what you do once you get there. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're the they're the road, right? The road. If the road were smart, it would know where you're driving to. It it, it knows you're driving to the grocery store. It has no idea what you're buying in the grocery store, right? Right. It just drives you back and forth to the store. Google, Facebook. Uh, Apple, all these companies know every item you purchased in the store. Mm-hmm. And what the Democrats want to do, because they're in the pocket of big tech, is have really stringent privacy laws for the ISPs who collect a tiny fraction of the data of big tech and leave big tech completely alone. I'm not just making this up. Several states have passed privacy laws, which, by the way, shouldn't happen. We need a federal privacy law. States, there's no way the federal government can deal with 50 different state privacy levels, you know, privacy laws or net neutrality laws or any Internet laws. It's a worldwide web. It should be governed by one federal policy, and then we go and negotiate with the rest of the planet. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. It's also the Constitution. <laughs> way to do it absolutely well so so what about the you know each of us has our own uh, personal self-interest at heart uh the way people are thinking about this the fauci's of the world i want to think about like so what can we do to central plan this entire thing to make decisions for people why not just let us make our own decisions about that's right uh I, I commented on a jennifer rubin post you know she's the alleged conservative writer for the washington post yeah and she had something on her Facebook page. We're actually Facebook friends. I've met her on several occasions. And I said, this shutdown is titanically stupid. And some moron defender of Rubin said, here we are, saving you from yourself. I'm like, no, I don't want that. Thank you, you totalitarian ass hat. I don't want that. Leave me alone. Um, and yes, that, that's, that's what we're talking about here. And so the, if we had a privacy law that applied to everyone equally, uh, you know, Google, Facebook, Comcast, Time Warner, yeah. and it laid out clear, de- defined lines over over what they can and cannot do with our data and our online persona. We, we'd we'd have something to hold against these companies. We'd yeah. have something to say, hey, you're in violation of X. You know, this this section of code or that section of code. 
but we don't, so they can, you know, they can basically, they, they basically can go to court and say, well, there's no law against it, and well, they'd be right. Well, the other, thing, right. the other thing is they've got deep pockets, and the fact, even if they ended up getting sued or cease and desist or whatever, you know, they're going to just uh, drag it on and on and on. It's a, That's right. it's a big, big issue, and uh, we need uh, to protect our personal privacy. We don't want the unintended consequences of unnecessarily tying up and gumming up the works for private enterprise, so we've got to get it right. Well, and, and like I said, it's not, it's not that hard to get it right. If you, you know, again, we have the 14th Amendment guaranteeing equal protection under the law, yeah. so the, you know, this, the, these goofy state laws, I think Vermont's almost as bad as... Uh, as uh, California when it comes to uh, Internet regu- laws and regulations. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you've got to have it apply to everyone equally. Um, the fact that Google hoovers up you know, exponentially more data than Comcast, that's fine, but I don't want them getting, getting away scot-free while you hammerlock Comcast. I want everybody to be treated equally by the law. Yeah. I want some lo- clear lines in place. And then the free market can operate within the boundaries of this of this new law. Right now, it's look. I like the Wild West as much as anybody, but this is crazy. I mean, it, you, the, the 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 privacy implications, the the totalitarian implications of this completely un, unfettered situation is untenable. I agree with that. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit the, web, the website uh, lessgovernment.org. Oh, you can also follow Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your well-informed and interesting commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with uh, Megan Rose, the CEO of a terrific organization, a young organization doing great work. It's called Better Together. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, uh, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us uh, a good friend of the Foundation for Government Accountability. It's Megan Rose. She is the CEO of a terrific organization. It's called Better Together. Megan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Oh, my pleasure, Megan. Tell us about Better Together, what it's all about. 
Um, better together is a private like is a private solution to a lot of the big issues we're facing um, in communities. So we help keep families together and children out of foster care through our Better Families program, utilizing vetted and background checked volunteers. And then we equip churches to host grace-filled job fairs where they can wrap around the community and connect them to meaningful job opportunities. And just doing it so well, the results are just fantastic. In fact, before we move into what's going on right now because of coronavirus, maybe you could just tell us some of the things you've accomplished in your short lifetime as Better Together. Um, We've served over 20,000 job seekers across the U.S., and we have kept over 2,000 children out of foster care in only three and a half years. Yeah, amazing results. And uh, let's, uh, for example, uh, tell us about the, you said it's a faith-based organization and helping uh, people, helping people get jobs. Maybe you could tell us about that activity. Yes. So now more than ever, we are seeing unemployment skyrocketing. We're seeing a lot of people losing their jobs, the Mm COVID-19. But we believe the church is uniquely positioned to help connect people to work opportunities. So what we do on a normal basis and now amplify due to COVID-19 is we help churches host job fairs um, as a way. It's not just job fairs. They provide job coaching, encouragement, support um, to job seekers within their community, and then they help connect them to employers that are hiring. And it's all volunteer-driven, professionally supported, and we believe the church is the best place to host a job fair. So it, what it amounts to is a, a, having a personal coach, and somebody who's had a job, knows how to get a job, so forth, uh, somebody who's in the church, uh, taking somebody under his or her wing and saying, look, uh, let's, eye contact is pretty important when you talk to a, a potential employer and so forth, just the little things that can make a difference. So, so how has this worked out? Uh, what kind of results have you gotten? Um, nationally, our average is one out of three people get hired on the spot at our job fairs. Wow. And 60% of those that come to our job fairs find employment, which is very impressive considering that 65% of those that come to our job fair are unemployed. Yeah. And you're looking at a majority of them, over 80% are on some sort of government um, supplemental plan. And so they're receiving service. They want to work. Mm. They have just been discouraged. They've lost hope, and our job fairs are an opportunity for them to have a second chance, for them to regain hope, to find opportunities. And I think that's why we need to do this more than ever. And at Better Together, we have been very creative considering the current challenges we're facing with COVID-19. Yeah, so I just found this so interesting. Tell us what you're doing now to help people find work since we've got social distancing going on and those types of barriers to getting employment. So we know that a lot of people are losing their jobs right now. We're seeing hospitality jobs decline, restaurants. But, Bob, there are a lot of employers, especially in the Southwest Florida community and nationally, that are still hiring. Um, And they're hiring thousands of positions. And a lot of them you can work from the comfort of your home. So what we're doing is a virtual job fair where we're still working with a local church And we're going to have job coaching, we're going to have workshops, we're going to have all those really important elements that make our job fair so successful, but in a virtual environment where people in the Southwest Florida community can come via their phone from their home and get connected and build relationships with local recruiters. And we're hoping to have the same results. One out of three getting hired on the spot, and our team is working incredibly hard, and so far we've had an overwhelming amount of employers and people reaching out that already want to get connected to this. So we believe it's going to be incredibly successful. And then we're going to take that and offer it to all of our church partners nationally and help get America back to work. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, uh, the proof of the pudding's in the tasting. And frankly, when you take a look at the, your results in two and a half years, it's just unbelievable what you've accomplished, Megan, under your leadership. So it's just Terrific. So I would imagine the employers are excited about this because you pointed out they need people. And with this social distancing going on, it's very difficult to figure out how to, how to uh, increase, you know, or bring the right people aboard. Yes, 
that has been a lot of the feedback from our employers is we're offering them a valuable opportunity. But our employers also really value the relationships that our job coaches build with the job seekers. Mm -hmm. So we're spending time helping them prepare for these interviews, and they're getting quality candidates, um, which makes a big difference. And so we're excited to offer this resource to employers, and most importantly, we're excited to get job seekers connected to the hiring opportunities here in the community. Yeah, so Megan, uh, you know, our listeners, I'm sure, are pretty excited about uh, what you're doing. How can we support you in your efforts? I would encourage people to go to our website, www.bettertogetherus.org, and learn more. We're a volunteer-driven organization, and we have so many different ways for people to get involved. If you're an employer, we would love to have you join us for our virtual job fair. If you want to volunteer as a coach or volunteer in some of our other programs, um, we have a lot of different ways people can um, help their neighbors, especially now. We've had a 155% increase in our other program, Better Families. So, we need you, and I would encourage you to check us out and see how you can get involved. Yeah, bettertogetherus.org is the website, bettertogetherus.org. And before I let you go, Megan, I don't want to take the focus off of this important opportunity for people. The, the job fair is coming up, by the way, on April the 30th, this virtual job fair. I want to make sure we know that. So, again, bettertogetherus.org. This uh, Better Families program is unbelievable uh, in terms of what what you're doing for families that are in crisis, where the kids might end up going to uh, foster care. Can you just uh, give us a minute or two about that? Yes. So we have vetted and background checked volunteers that open up their home to care for children short-term while their parents are going through a crisis. And we do this because 60% of children that go into the foster care system are there due to neglect. And neglect is just families don't have good options for their children. They don't have a strong support system. So what we do is we connect them to families that can care for their children short-term so they can work through their crisis and get back on their feet. So it's a families helping families model, and it has been incredibly successful. We've yeah. helped over 2,000 children stay out of the foster care system. We have a 98% success rate. So that means these families are staying together without further intervention from the state. And we do this all through an army of passionate, loving volunteers that open up their homes or they walk alongside isolated families and offer them mentoring and support. And we do this with a very small team, but a professional team that is passionate and really cares about this and supports volunteers in a very meaningful way. Yeah, and it's, it's well, not only whether it's getting through uh, some sort of uh, drug addiction problem or homelessness or losing a job, whatever the crisis might be, getting that counseling that might be necessary to get back on their feet, uh, then uh, I'm sure there's a connection between the family, the mentoring family, the family that's taking in that child or children, and uh, the people who are ha- trying to get out of that trouble that they were in, whatever it might be, then uh, you end up with a mentoring opportunity to answer questions, to continue continuing concern. Really, uh, it's just a great model that saves a lot of money, reduces the amount of time the kids are away from their family, and doesn't get them uh, and saves them from getting into the system, quote unquote, system of foster care. It is a win-win formula, and I can say my husband and I, we posted over 18 kids over the past three years, Wow! and we still have a relationship with every single parent, and so it's so much more than the kids being in our home. Like, that's the easy part. Um, the beauty of this is just then those long-lasting relationships, and we see that on an everyday basis with our host families. They continue to love on these families, be a support to them. And that is the secret sauce of what we do in those relationships. The secret sauce. I love it. So, again, I'm going to encourage our listeners to go to the website. Check out bettertogetherus.org. Terrific, uh, terrific organization. Ways that you can volunteer. And, of course, uh, being a 501c3, being a not-for-profit, can use your financial support as well. Megan, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you so much, Bob. It is always a pleasure. My pleasure indeed. Thank you, Megan. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I found it extremely informative. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy. He is a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. We're continuing our conversation about uh, subverting the Constitution since the New Deal in the Supreme Court. Uh, we'll visit with uh, Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College and author of Josephus of Oz. And we'll also visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Written seven books. His latest is Cyber Warfare. I'm reading it right now. Targeting America, Our Infrastructure, and Our Future. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.